welcome to the CollectingCars.com podcast. Hello and welcome to the Collecting Cars podcast live from Goodwood. We're at the fantastic revival meeting. I'm Sam Hancock. Chris and Ed are away this weekend, so they've asked me to step in and dive around the paddock and the men's changing rooms here at the revival to grab as many interviews as I can with the fast and famous superstars of the sport that are participating at this incredible historic race weekend. I suspect a lot of you who are listeners to this podcast probably fall down a an automotive YouTube hole on a regular basis, in which case you will almost certainly have come across Seen Through Glass, and in, in which case you will have almost certainly come across the man standing next to me here in the assembly area at Goodwood, Philip Kaduri. Phil, what are you driving? How are you going? Well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm going very, very well, thank you. I'm driving a Cobra. Most people may not recognize my voice, but if they heard my cackle, they might recognize <laughs> yes, that. This is true. <laughs> Normally, the cackle is to be heard whilst he's guiding his Tuthill-built Porsche 911 Safari car through some kind of forest track that's probably illegal. You're probably not supposed to be doing the things you're doing up above the quail. Yeah, no comment, actually. <laughs> if you've not seen this, definitely look it up. What do they need to search for on YouTube? Uh, seen through glass, okay. uh, my friend Phil, Safari 911. I really recommend that to, well, basically anyone who's into cars, to be honest. It's a, it's a good watch. Let's talk a little bit about that car, because I think you've probably done more for Tuthill build Safari, sort of, you know, rally spec Porsches than anyone. Tell, tell me, why did you buy that and why the livery? Well, I mean, the story of the car started when I bought my Stratos and I did the Tour Auto in it. I realized very quickly that what I wanted to do were some of the be best events in the world. And I came across the East Africa Safari Classic. Through that, I found Tuttle. And I knew that I wanted to do the event in one of his cars. But when everyone builds to the same spec, it's really nice to differentiate yourself. And I looked at the Porsche back catalogue and I thought, there's so many cool liveries. It would be great to adapt one to an older car. Yeah. And so we found the Jaeger GT1 that was run by Zack Speed. And I thought this would be really cool if we could translate it. I thought it was a really good choice because it's so distinctive. Um, for anyone listening that's not sure on, on what it is, it's essentially a lovely shade of green, but then with a white and red striped roof, which became very iconic in modern sports car racing. And that's what surprised me. This isn't a sort of a rally livery that you've adopted. It's very much from an entirely different discipline of the sport, but it really works on your car. Well, thank you. I think so, too. And um, I think they were very pleased when I said I wanted to paint the whole car rather than do a rally wrap. And it's great. It's peppered now. You know, we've, we've really used that car. I've rolled it over by accident. And uh, <laughs> How many times have you rolled it? Uh, only once. <laughs> only once. We fixed it pretty quickly. But it's nice. It's peppered. It's a rally car. It's used. It's the way it should be. Now, you are, I would say, among the more enthusiastic drivers <laughs> that I know. <laughs> not afraid to test the limits of any car he's driving. Uh, I have witnessed the Stratos parked at a very unlikely <laughs> angle, looking at the sky rather than the road ahead on the modern Accenture Oro <laughs> on a special stage just a few months ago. Um, you just heard that Phil's Porsche 911 Safari car has ended up upside down. And yesterday, you really threw me under the bus, actually, but I returned the favor because I was commentating on the TT <laughs> first qualifying session. And I think I said something like, now, given Phil's 
immense amount of seat time driving rally type <laughs> cars on loose ground watch this man in his cobra because he's got fantastic car control at which point the silver cobra comes out of ford water broadside rear tires smoking utterly refusing to lift but therein lay the problem because the next thing I know you're spinning like a top into the field. Into I the was weeds. told it was a very light lift at Ford Water. Uh, maybe it was slightly too light. But, um, so we need to have a word with your driver coach, Dan Wells. <laughs> Dan is here who was in the Stratos with me at the Centauri when we went off. I, I, I blame that squarely on him. I uh, know. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're <laughs> consistent on that because when I challenged you for the reason for your, uh, your spectacular off that day, you did immediately blame the driver coach next to you. Well, when you're pushing with a navigator on board and you're listening to those calls, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. And uh, we made one missed call and that's what happened. But we went out the next day and won a stage outright uh, by about five seconds. Yeah. And then we won the last stage of the rally too. So we did pretty well. Well, you to me are the perfect example, the poster boy of somebody coming into racing, taking it seriously, but finding that balance between needing to take it seriously and studiously enough. You've got a coach with you all of the time. You seem to cherry pick great events. So your calendar must be just brilliant fun. You know, you're not at Snetterton on a rainy cold day in a porter cabin going around a reasonably bland circuit. I mean, you're going from epic event to epic event. I've been, I've been very, very fortunate so far. I have, I've just started. Um, I found Dan to be my driver coach. Being based in Hong Kong, I'm flying to events anyway. I don't get to come to the UK or the US very often, so I miss some of those events. Um, I was recommended by a mutual friend, Marino Franchitti, to get experience in modern cars so that when I made those early mistakes that you do in racing, I was protected. Ah, interesting. And, interesting. Uh, okay. and then I've been very, very lucky. I was brought in by another friend who's been on your podcast, David Clark. And uh, he gave me my first experience here in a 9046, which I had a great time that in. That was last year, I think. That yeah. was at the members' meeting earlier oh, okay, this year. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, wow, really recent. And so this uh, is then still he helped new. me buy a Cobra, and here I am. Of course he did. <laughs> of course Clarky helped you buy a Cobra. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I wasn't, it was worthwhile giving you that seat to drive after all. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Look, thank you very much. Best of luck in this next qualifying session, and uh, have fun. Thanks very much. No rally driving this no time. No rally driving. Okay, we're here in the Drivers Club and Karun Chandok has just kindly made me a cup of tea. You've just come off the circuit, haven't you? What I did, yeah. I was in the St. Mary's Trophy uh, in a full Zodiac, but the gear lever came off in my hand. <laughs> you know the race. You'd think that gear levers coming off in a driver's hand is massively un unusual. That's the third time I've heard that tale really? today. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. But uh, so, yeah, I only did about five or six laps. What car were you in? In a Ford Zodiac okay. with uh, Theo Pafidis. So, yeah, it was quite good fun. It's a big old boat, yeah. um, missing about, I don't know, 100 horsepower. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, it was good fun. The St. Mary's Trophy is a race I've only done once before, and I wasn't in a particularly competitive car, but it, I can think of few races that have ever had me laughing out loud in my crash helmet for lap after lap. It's just brilliant yeah. fun. It is it? the most fun of the lot because. The cars aren't scary. Yep. You know, I think uh, when you start getting to the TT and, and the Kinrata and things like that, then the cars become really a bit bit animalistic, really. Yeah. Speaking of hairy cars, talk to me about this Can-Am <laughs> McLaren Beast, which haven't you in the past set a new track record in that? 
Uh, I did last year. I don't know if it's a track record, but I had fastest lap last year yeah. and then went a bit quicker again this year. So, wow. um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's not often I'm told that you see a sub one minute 20 lap. Um, what and was I the lap a, time? You I had a 99 wow. yesterday. Fantastic. Um, and, and I think it, the circuit's a little bit off this week cause it, cause it, because it's hot. Yeah. I think it's a touch slower than yeah, it has been in the past. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there was more potential in it, but I was very happy to park the car at that yeah. point and, and save it for the race so yeah I'm driving the it's a McLaren M1A um, it's actually the same car I drove last year but I haven't seen it since last year to be honest okay. and it was a little bit confusing yesterday because I drove the, an AC Cobra for qualifying in the TT and literally walked with my helmet on got in the McLaren and went out right and uh, so the first lap it was sort of remembering which side the gear lever is and remembering you know how different each car is how do you do that do you have any little routines or any processes that you run through just to dial your head into the car that you're getting into uh, not really i think you you i i just build up to it you know there's okay. no point going out there and trying to nail a lap on lap one yeah. i just just build into a rhythm and you know the human brain is an amazing thing it adjusts and adapts and some people can adapt better than others but uh, I've been lucky to do so. I can hardly think of three more different cars for you to be dashing in between and for those who are not familiar with the way that Goodwood works it's not the case that you come and you qualify and race in one car and then you conveniently move on to the next before the final one you're very much jumping in and out backwards and forwards in all three different cars. Yeah, absolutely. So it is a great challenge, but I think that's part of the fun of coming to events like yeah. this is to experience and drive different cars. And yeah. and also it gives us an appreciation of what the, the history of our sport is. We're very lucky to have a rich history in our sport. There's yeah. not many sports or industries or businesses that have the history we have in motor racing. Uh, and I think it's nice to come and pay our respects to it and yeah. appreciate it. And like obviously, like so many other drivers here, you very much come from a single-seater, well, eventually a sports car background as well, but very much modern machinery, Formula One included. But I've seen you at a lot of historic events, particularly the Goodwoods, and you're involved with Williams Heritage now. So are you a student of the sports history? Is this something that you've recently come to, or have you always been into the historical side? No, I've always been a fan of the history of the sport. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, ever since I was a kid, I, I was just obsessed with the sport. Right. And then I read up more and more and watched more and more, I suppose at that time it was VHS tapes. And yeah. what, what was tricky was I grew up in India. I only moved to England in 2002 uh, to race a Formula 3. So I lived in India before that. And obviously at the time, we, I, I think it was until 93, we didn't have Formula 1 on television. Wow. Um, we would get autosports delivered probably 10 weeks late. You know, so I'd read about the British Grand Prix in September and things like that oh um, but uh, and you'd get we have friends of ours in England who would send us VHS tapes of races recorded right. and I'd just watch them again and again and again fantastic but um, everything was obviously you know three months later than, than you guys are watching it here yeah. but I, I just grew to love the sport and grew to love various aspects of the sport mainly Formula 1 yeah. um, that's you know that, that was my first love but as time passed, I, I grew to appreciate sports car racing and other bits and pieces. But obviously, you're still very much immersed in the Formula One scene in the paddock. You yep. have very much a household name in your role as a, as a commentator, as a pundit, as our pit lane reporter. And you always seem to be having fun. You always seem to be doing a really professional, very insightful job and have taken to it like a duck to water. But does it frustrate you not being behind the wheel? Of course it does. You know, the, the part that I miss most about Formula One is the driving. 
I don't miss the politics. I don't miss the nonsense that happens around it, right. um, which is exhausting. But of course, I miss the driving because they they are ultimately the best cars on the planet. Yeah. But um, I've I've learned to accept that uh, in life, you know, your your life takes you in different paths. Yeah. So you just got to make the most of what what cards have been dealt to you. And I'm of course, you're a dad now, so you've already lost at least half a second there. <laughs> well, away. I'm not sure actually. I'm uh, you know. Um, it's funny, people people have various theories on this, but I remember talking to, to Barrichello about it back then, and he, he said, nah, it didn't affect him at all. And I think it's true. I think, you know, different people just react in different ways. I'm not driving around there, even here at a weekend like Goodwood, thinking, uh, you know, about the, the danger of the sport or about kids or anything. It's, you just get on with it. Um, but, I, you know, I'm lucky now that I've driven in various single-seaters, in, as you say, up to Formula One, in sports cars, um, Formula E, uh, and now with Williams, I get to do lots of different driving with some very cool cars. Let's talk about that. So Williams Heritage, this fantastic new-ish division that the Williams Formula One team have created, basically dusting off the cars that I guess have been quietly sitting in the warehouse or in the museum and getting them ready to race, making them available, some of them available to gentlemen drivers, to collectors, but not just to go and sit in another dusty warehouse, but actually to be used. And you're very much in, in, in involved in that. Tell us about the Heritage Program. So Jonathan Williams, who is Sir Frank's son, of course, um, and I have been friends for many years, and we both share a very strong passion for the sport and the history of the sport. And I think it saddened us to see cars just collecting dust, and Johnny, was very very uh, instrumental in, in pushing the group really to, to open up this heritage division and um, you know we've seen what Ferrari have done with the cliente business which is fantastic and we will never be Ferrari cliente because they own engines and build engines whereas we as uh, Williams Heritage rely on Renault, BMW, Honda you know different partners that Williams have had over the years so um, but we're building cars up, we're selling cars, we're running cars, most importantly. We're organizing track days, so we've, we've been to Heret, we've been to Silverstone, um, we're going to go to America next year. We've got clients with a whole range of cars from, you know, Alan Jones, FW07s and 8s to Nigel Mansell's active suspension 14B, a Damon Hills championship winner. Uh, we've got a fantastic roster of cars. And, you know, Williams had um, a catalog of over 110 rolling chassis, which were just lying in a warehouse, and wow. we've now started building them up and, and running them, and it's it's great to see them out on track. For me, it's great to test drive and shake them down. Well, I was just going to ask you about that, because, of course, you are the guy that gets the phone call when one of these heritage cars needs to be given a shakedown or tested. Perhaps you get involved in running them at some of the, the private client days as well. What was it like to drive Nigel Mansell's Red 5 with all the active... I think emotionally, it, it was very, very special. I'm not, I'm not a particularly emotional person when it comes to racing. You know, I never, I never call the cars by names or anything like that. For me, they're machines or they're pieces of engineering brilliance. But driving Nigel's car, um, I got to drive it at the British Grand Prix weekend a couple of years ago after qualifying when the crowd was still there. And again, on Sunday morning, you know, British Grand Prix, Sunday morning, full crowd, and you're driving a Red 5. Wow. And the crowd were on their feet cheering. It wow. was amazing. And to me, it just brought no back... No pressure the, then. <laughs> well, yeah, but it just brought back the memories of, uh, as a kid, growing... Because that's the era I grew up watching, was 
you know, Senna, Prost, Mansell, PK, yeah. they were my heroes. Yeah. And I remember watching that 92 British Grand Prix, albeit three months later, of <laughs> course. Uh, but seeing, seeing the crowd go onto the track and basically carry Nigel to the yeah. podium and then uh, to be driving down Hangar Strait with a crowd all around heading towards Stoke Corner, yeah. it, it was a really emotional moment. And as I said, I'm not a particularly emotional person, but that was special. Have you had the chance to drive that car somewhere private with less onlookers where you can sort of throw it around a little bit? Have you well, been I able was, to yeah, I was push lucky. it? Yeah, I was lucky at Silverstone I got to have a go as well. The team were quite keen for me to push and, wow. and really experience it, which is nice. Um, and then I drove it uh, at Jerez as well uh, with a client there. And it is so special. You know, you think... The car was built in 1992, uh, and actually I've just seen Adrian Newey walk past, who was one of the architects oh, behind we'll the car. Oh, we'll have to grab him in a minute, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, he was one of the chief architects behind the success of that car. Uh, it's so iconic, especially in the UK, I think, yeah. you know, Mansell, Red 5, winning all those races. And is all of the active suspension, the, the really technical stuff that required an army of mechanics in period, is that still working, or is that disabled? Yeah. No, no, it all works, 100%. We... Wow. Um, we were very lucky that we worked with Judd on the engine and Cosworth Electronics. And Cosworth produced a new ECU, a new wiring loom, and got the full active working. So all the switches in the cockpit work. You can make adjustments for the different corners. Do you feel the car lifting up and down? Yeah, absolutely. Really? You know, you feel it's, it's the only car or it's one of those rare cars I've driven which is faultless. Okay. The only limitation is literally the level of grip that the tire offers you, and at some point, the, you know, the tire loses, that's physics, it loses grip. Yeah. But the car is just perfect. It looks perfect, it sounds perfect, it feels amazing to drive. Wow. Um, and the active just, you know, do you think Nigel on occasions was two and a half seconds ahead of Senna in qualifying? Oh. And, you know, Senna's arguably the greatest qualifier in F1 history. Yeah. That tells you how dominant that car was. Yeah. Absolutely astonishing. Now, that was 1992, I guess, that car. So you've driven some of the later cars, and the Heritage Department even has some of the BMW-powered cars from the mid-noughties. Yes. Have you driven those as well? Yeah. How do they all compare? <laughs> sure. I drove the 2004 Montoya car, um, which was, if I, if I talk about pure performance, that's got to be the best car I've ever driven. I mean, I've driven the hybrids, the 2017 cars, so I've driven a more, you know, quite a modern car as well. But 2004, to me, in many ways, is the peak of Formula One performance. The cars were only 605 kilos as opposed to 743 now. You know, 138 kilos is five seconds of lap time, if you think about it. Wow, I so that's that. a lot. And they still had um, the BMW engineers came to the test with a with a dyno sheet. I'm very pleased I haven't got a face full of jam, scone, <laughs> and cream falling out of my mouth right now. But now the, uh, talking about weight. Well, the the engineers arrived with a dyno sheet for that engine, and it was 952 horsepower, so nearly a wow. thousand horsepower, which is pretty much what they have today, yeah. but 138 kilos lighter. It was just the sheer violence of it. Yeah. Plus, it's got the um, you know the screaming BMW engine, the V10, 19,800 RPM. It's astonishing. Now, none of these cars are eligible for current historic racing series. We can't speculate as to whether or not that'll change. One one assumes at some point there'll be a historic racing series for these younger F1 cars. But of all of the cars you're involved with, with, with the Heritage Department. Which of them do you think realistically are 
the sort of cars that a gentleman driver, the kind of guy that might be racing here at Goodwood this weekend, what can they comfortably get into, handle, not get themselves into trouble? Is it all of them? Is it just some of them? To be honest, I think the a paddle shift car from the mid to late 90s. So I'm talking sort of 91 to 99. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the cars are, for a gentleman driver, will be pleasantly surprised. The cockpits are quite roomy. Um, you know, they don't need to be like a teeny tiny Grand Prix driver. The, um, we can make the software, make the cars quite drivable for them. And we've had clients come out to to do track days who've never driven a single seater, apart from, you know, I've done a day of coaching with them in an F3 car, but hardly any experience. And and they've really enjoyed it. They've gone away with a big smile on their face and they've really enjoyed it. Yeah, fantastic. Karun, I won't take up any more of your time. You've got a plate full of sandwiches and cakes and a warm cup of tea to get to. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, next up, I am joined by sports car racing royalty, Henri Pescarolo. Welcome to Goodwood, Henri. It's absolutely wonderful to see you here. For listeners who don't know, at a guess, you have competed at Le Mans probably 30 times with four victories, I'm guessing. Is is that correct? Yeah, 30, 33 times and four victories, yes. Oh, I wasn't far off. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And, of course, a long Formula One career behind you as yeah. well. Yeah. Now, you're a multidiscipline driver, sports car racing, Formula One. I believe you've competed at Dakar as well. Yeah. How do you find historic racing? Oh, I like very much, but uh, I didn't come here since about a few years now. Uh, I won the TT race uh, 10 years ago with Patrick Tambay with the Cobra. But when I had my own team to run, you know, I didn't come back uh, for a long time. But I had the opportunity with Motil to come uh, today and to drive a nice uh, E-Type Jaguar. So it's very interesting. I love that uh, that place, you know, I love the track. and uh, But... Uh, I have to learn uh, how to drive that car because the last time I drove a car that was uh, in Le Mans Classic uh, last year, it was a Prescarolo car, you know, okay. a nice prototype. So to drive uh, E-Type Jaguar is completely different, but it's very funny, you know, I like. So if you, I'd, forgive me, I'd forgotten that, of course, you did win the TT, the big main race here at the Revival some years ago, but the pace of development of this grid of the cars is quite intense at Goodwood, and the lap times have become much faster even in the past few years. Yesterday's provisional pole time was a 24, I think. Well, I remember when pole was a 29. How did you find your first experience this year in terms of pace of this grid? You know, it, it depends, you know, because some of the, uh, those cars um, are a bit different from what they were in a uh, long time ago. So they are quicker and quicker because there is a lot of development of on those cars. I have a really type uh, Jaguar, which is exactly the same that it was a long time ago. So um, it's a bit slower than the, the front cars, you know, but uh, anyway, it's uh, very interesting. So um, when I came a long time ago, it was to win. Now it's for fun. Okay. <laughs> and tell me, outside of racing, what are you up to? I seem to remember you enjoy fishing, am I right? Fishing and shooting, yes. Uh, I am very, I'm coming very often in Ireland for yep. shooting and fishing. Shooting in France, fishing also. So, okay, yes, I'm farming too, you know, so racing is a bit far away now. 
Okay. Do you do you miss it, or is once or twice per year just the right amount of racing? No, for you? it's time now to stop. You know, uh, the biggest problem for me was to stop my team because it was uh, one of, of the most competitive team. You know, uh, I nearly beat Audi two times with my team, and I had to stop because the regulation was stupid with the diesel engine, and that was a shame. Yeah. So now I stop everything. Henri, thank you very much for talking to us. I'll let you get back to your qualifying okay. session. Thank Lovely you. to see you here. Thank you. Collecting cars, the safe, smart and simple way to buy and sell collectible cars. An online auction platform for the UK and Europe. Follow us on Instagram at CollectingCars and also CollectingCars.com. CollectingCars.com podcast. Welcome back to the Collecting Cars podcast. This weekend, we are live from Goodwood Revival, and I'm bringing you Tiffany Dell and Brennan Hartley in their pants in the men's locker room. Morning, gents. Morning. I'm only briefly here to ask Brendan to actually give an honest opinion of how shit Formula E cars are to drive. As he's contracted <laughs> to a major manufacturer and earning a lot of money, which is the good thing about Formula E, he probably won't admit that Formula E cars are very shit to drive. Brendan, let's have the professional insight on how Formula E cars are to drive, maybe compared to a historic TT car today. Um, have you driven one? Yes, yes, I drove the first Formula E, yeah. Okay. Uh, th- yeah, mate, I'm going to give a political answer, but they are actually very fun to drive. You've got you've got a lot more torque than yeah. grip. I'm very challenging. I appreciate it. these brilliant drivers oh, no. to get the best out. You know what? They're really exciting. Does it get your adrenaline pumping? So I have not driven one on a street track yet, okay. but everyone saw me. I mean, even on a, I mean, I was testing in uh, Mallory Park last week, and I tell you, they 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 feel quick. Um, I mean, I think I think they're doing times you know quicker than a Formula Three car on a conventional circuit. But it's, it's not the steering wheel, which isn't round. You have to grab another handful around the tight hairpins. Exactly. You've, you've you know you're, we are sliding them around tight, you know bumpy street tracks that are not conventional tracks. I, I think it's you'd be surprised, mate. It's probably not so dissimilar to driving the Cobra here. No, okay. I let him off. That was a fairly that was a fairly honest answer for a contracted driver. I mean, Formula it's a great show. And it's it's a fantastic opportunity for drivers to earn a lot of money professionally it's good for the teams that are running cars and manufacturing it's a good it's just to me the show isn't exciting enough to watch and the speed isn't high enough to really get a buzz going but yeah good luck Brennan good luck. keep earning the money Brennan that's the main thing keep earning the money Thanks, Tiff, for completely slagging off the modern end of motor racing at the moment. So, rewinding to historic racing, that's why we're here. It is Saturday at the Revival. Brendan is about to go into the second qualifying session in the TT. Mate, how do you find it getting in and out of all these different kind of cars? You're going from the fastest modern machinery, jumping into something that must feel like an old barge. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually quite nervous yesterday because, you know, I arrived here. I've never driven the car. I mean, I've done a couple laps around the track before. And you, you realise, oh, there's 150,000 people here watching. You're in a million-dollar car, or you know, whatever a Cobra is worth, and um, they don't stop. They got a lot of power, and and you are hanging them out. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Unfortunately, we we had a problem with the gearbox yesterday, so just did a couple of laps. So hopefully, we're going to get that sorted for for today. But it is, you know, everyone's here for the right reasons. I'd be lying if I say, said it doesn't get a little bit competitive, but everyone's here having fun, which I love, you know. And sometimes in modern racing, we do sometimes forget to enjoy it, and what you know. You know, what, what, you know what, the reasons we do it are maybe a little bit different to the reasons people are here having a good time. So it's, yeah, it's a nice feeling to be here. 
just you're a, you're a busy man this year. Just give us a quick overview of all your different programs because I can't imagine there's many professional racers at the top flight levels of the sport that have a diary quite as intense as yours at the moment. Yeah, and this is my weekend off. <laughs> which, um, I am having fun though. Um, so I, I started off Formula E testing with Porsche. Um, I signed with Toyota to the WEC uh, championship in their MP1 car. I'm the Ferrari test driver for their simulator. Um, I've been at six Formula 1 races as a reserve driver and I've now signed for another Formula E team with, uh, with Dragon to do their Formula E championship. So. Yeah, I don't have a lot of spare weekends. I'm very lucky to have a wife who's organised and looks after all my logistics and I, t I, t I go where I'm told to, uh, week by week and day by day, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Fantastic. Thanks, Brendan. We've, we'll, we'll let you finish getting changed. Good luck in qualifying and uh, thanks for talking to us. Right, I'm here in the assembly area with Darren Turner and Alex Brundle. I'm going to interview Darren and Darren is very kindly going to interview Alex. And I'm going to start with the fact yeah. that Darren got an absolute rollicking yesterday <laughs> for walking into a driver's briefing quite late. But I think he had a legitimate excuse. It, yeah, when I walked in, it was like, I think there may have been some other drivers who sort of came in at the same time. Because we all yeah. seem to get the full wrath of the uh, clerk of the course of not being in, in the driver's briefing at the right time. But it was more for the fact I was out on the Whitson qualifying session. I ran... I was hot and sweaty just from driving the car. Then I was really hot and sweaty running through the paddock to get to the driver's briefing. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately um, got a bit of a bollocking off the, off the back of it. How many cars are you driving this weekend? Uh, it's a little bit too many. So I've got four races and then I'm also in the TT Celebration Parade in a four DBL Four races one. and a, de a demonstration. I did four last yeah. year and I said I'm never doing four again. Yeah. And then you could just get asked and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. okay. And then suddenly <laughs> you're up to four and... Then when I arrived, they said, oh, can you do a parade as well? So it's, it's a little bit too much. But anyway, it is what it is. That is the price to pay when you're a superstar, I'm afraid. I d definitely not, nothing to do being a, like a superstar or anything. My, just my violin is a string short, yeah. I'm afraid. Sorry, man. Uh, it's more to do with just gullible and just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, say yes too easy. Yeah, That's yeah, my problem. Sure, sure, so. sure. Um, and Alex, your first historic race weekend? Yep. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look, you're looking wide eyes. Thanks, Darren. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit wider. I mean, I, I'm actually jealous of him. He's gone now, so I can say that. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually jealous of him because he's got a lot. He's got a lot of time on track. I've not got a lot of time on track. Uh, I had one 20-minute uh, uh, qualifying session yesterday, which was cut a little bit short with a gremlin. So. I'm still building, shall we? I would still in the building phase, shall we say? No, no, remind me. You're in a Cobra or an E-Type? I'm in an E-Type. I'm in uh, the Pearson Engineering E-Type. Perfect. Prepared by Gary Pearson. You couldn't ask for better than that. But I've, I've, I said to you yesterday, I feel really sorry for you because I remember that day. It was a long time ago now when I came here to the revival, and it was my first ever time in a historic car. And I too was in an E-Type in the TT. And the guy said to me on the Thursday evening or something, look, it, you know, it's kind of got number plates on it. If you want to just drive it out the circuit and up the road, just go and familiarize <laughs> yourself with the car. I promise you, I got about half a mile away and I nearly turned around and gave the keys back and I didn't want to do it because <laughs> I felt like the car was going to spit me into the nearest oak tree at every opportunity. And on track, it seems to move under you even when you change gears on the straight by comparison to modern machinery. So how are you finding this transition from LMP1, LMP2? <laughs> Yeah, there is that moment when you're not quite sure if you're steering it or it's steering you. And uh, yeah, and like you say, the, just the, mo the sheer movement of the thing underneath you, there's a certain element of that you just got to ignore, haven't you? Uh, it, took a, it took a few laps, you know, I was kind of building with 
the rest of the pack who were kind of discovering their cars a little bit as well uh, and building towards a, a nice crescendo but obviously just cut a little bit short means we qualified back in 16th but to be honest um, it was nice to have the night to think about it I'll jump in now and just you know sort of keep building up and make sure I'm in the right place for the race Gary has just been awesome yeah. I, I can't say enough about him you know he's jumping in and out of every single car in almost every single race here and in the interim is busy preparing our car yeah. fixing our car and teaching me how to drive it just unbelievable, well, unbelievable. You, you could you couldn't ask for a better preparer you couldn't ask for a better driver tutor Gary Pearson for listeners who don't know is an absolute god in this historic racing world and few men know how to prepare and drive Jaguar C-types D-types E-types than him um, Tell me, how do you find track positioning around other cars? Because I remember the thing that surprised me is just when you think you've you've gone up the inside, you've, you've picked a gap, you kind of forget how much the car's waft across the road once you're parallel to another. Yeah, you sort of got to stick to your lane, haven't you? Because every like sharp change of direction, there's just a bit of afters. So, and you've got to be prepared for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes on a racetrack, things happen in front of you. You've got to take avoiding action. I think in a car like this, you've just got to be prepared to be scooping that up for another 200 meters and hope there's not a corner within that within that duration but and and are you being that predictable modern racing driver that's coming in mid-session asking your mechanics for a click stiffer on high speed bump <laughs> only be told to bugger off by your mechanics and get on with it you know what i actually came in after the first run at Silverstone and asked for exactly that <laughs> exactly that and they were just like uh oh. but you know uh it and actually, you know, it makes a difference. It makes a difference yeah. in the cars. But but this this car is absolutely mint. Yeah. And, and Gary knows exactly what he wants from it. He gets out of it, does it all by feel, and goes, that's lovely. Thank you very much yeah. to the to the engineer. And so I defer I defer to his greater knowledge in, in this uh, in this forum. Yeah. But of course, your dad's been here quite a few times, racing at the Revival. Is he here this weekend? Has he offered you any tips or insight for this kind of transition into old cars? Yeah, Dad's uh, Dad's not here this weekend, but we've obviously spoken through the, the circuit at length. I've got loads of advice. Advice is not something I'm sure of, but track <laughs> all of it con conflicting. Hopefully, yeah. track time track time is what I'm sure of. And you know, at the end of the day, uh, I can tell you about how to drive around here uh, as much as I like. It's it's a case of getting in and and just feeling it having the confidence to you know really push in the high speed corners with the knowledge that if something goes a little bit wayward in the car you can scoop it up and there's nothing that's going to give you that feel apart from lap after lap after lap of track time do you have this sort of instinct to straighten up a car that's starting to move sideways yes are you having to try to mentally switch that off yeah absolutely so the car goes sideways and i'm immediately just bang on top of it as though I've got an aero platform to, yeah. to deal with yeah. and so it's actually allowing that to happen and also I'm, I've never ever, shall I tell you the biggest thing is I've never driven a race car before where the rack stop is not within one turn of my hands. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so actually, I, I have to shuffle the wheel. Yeah. Which you, I have never, never done, done yeah. in a race car in my life. Yeah. The, the concept of shuffling the wheel with any kind of control yeah. is really, really a new thing, completely a new thing. And so I end up with my arms like the spaghetti monster, <laughs> yeah. just, you know, with the car moving around. But it's all experience. And uh, the first session went, you know, I think the team are pretty happy with how we went. So uh, we'll just keep on building for this one. Fantastic. Thanks, Alex. Cheers, Best of mate. luck. Thank Cheers. You.
I'm back in the changing room and I'm catching up with a very whiffy Tiff Nidell who wants to stand in front of Look, the air conditioning. I'm not whiffy, I don't really need cool I'm, his I'm in my new Wallero, which is this new uh, I'm testing today. Go on, Tiff, get and the it, sponsor plug. Yes, in. well, like, there's no money involved. I'm just trying it out and it does seem to keep me cooler. Sumptuous Nomex underwear you seem to be wearing. What's Colour the to brand? match my hair. Where can I buy it? Colour grey to match my hair. Wallero, <laughs> the way to go. Everybody, Wallero. So, how um, was it? Did you get to the finish line without dents and scratches? Yes, my lovely pink and white Vauxhall Cresta survived, seesawed around like a huge barge, <laughs> lifted its little inside wheels, spun all its power away on many occasions, but it was quite a hoot to drive. So, uh, And I made up, started about finish? 22nd, finished 13th. So, Fantastic. Yeah, over to about brilliant. four at the start, and then a few dropped out. And now, all I've heard, I've, I've been busy interviewing people, and I've heard that the whole afternoon's proceedings have been delayed by about half an hour. Are you anything to do with this? No, no. Sure? I was well at the back when I saw this <laughs> gulf-coloured Volvo trying to climb the bank at No Name. Oh, was that what it right was? Right where Sterling Moss went off, in fact. You know, I think you wander a bit wide going down that, as you know, that curved break-in area. No Name's the scariest corner yeah, here. It looked like nobody, nobody pushed him. He just no. wandered himself wide. It's so easy to get it wrong, isn't it? Yeah. In, I remember in a single-seater, it's sort of flat-ish just he about the white line a single seater but you wouldn't yeah, dare do that in no in, in, in any kind of touring car or gt car it's so easy to run wide and there's no runoff there whatsoever so tire wall needing to be rebuilt yeah. unfortunately but um but it was great fun after but all the the, the german the french guys the Formula E boys they were just raving about their race i love <laughs> to see it. i told them back to your Formula E's now that you've had your fun for the year i'm i'm kind of annoyed about how easily they adapt to this old stuff because I remember doing it and it was really difficult but they seem to just hop in and be on the pace yeah, straight I mean, away. There's a fantastic calibre of drivers, you know, yeah. but real, this, I think this year's more high quality drivers than ever before. Have you got anything else today or are you just waiting no, for the home, TT? No, home James now. I want to get home and watch the end of the cricket now. Surely, How's the golf going? Surely you're at the party tonight, aren't no, you? No, I need a night off. Okay, a night right. off. One night off. I've got a TT tomorrow. A TV and a bottle of red. And also, sport. how's Southampton doing? What's the time? Kick I off. I don't know. I don't well, know. You All can't right. just you be a one-sport reporter. You've got you're to have cricket. How's the cricket going? I don't know. Oh, there's so much you need to I keep know, abreast of, Sam. All right, I look, I'm worried about, about your ticker, so you need to go and find out. You need to go yeah, and, and figure out these scores. Before. Cricket, Solheim yeah. Cup, so much going All on. Right, you do that. Thank you, Tiff. Good update. Right, who else is standing around in their pants in the locker room that I can collar without being deeply inappropriate? And luckily found... One driver not willing to talk to me in his pants. One of the fastest guys around the circuit here, Nick Padmore. Nick, you're in how many cars this weekend? Um, two. Two, like that's yourself, quite, that, yeah, right, it yeah. is the same yeah. as me, but that's fairly quiet for you, isn't it? It is, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, yeah normally in the uh, TT, in the uh, TT and the E-Type, um, yeah. but uh, unfortunately got replaced by David Brabham. So yeah, that's how it goes. I had a bit of that. Yeah. I had Yo mine was Jochen Mass. Should, should we move so on? Sorry, they've Sam, done more than us. Haven't you've, they? Been, you've been bumped for Jochen Mass, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. David, who? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Onwards. So, what are you driving this weekend? Um, so, the Lister Nobly, which was in the um, Sussex Trophy, which was great fun. Never, yeah. never driven one before. So, lots of uh, lots of power and no grip, which I, I love. The cars right. are moving around so much. Yeah. Uh, that was good. And then the Lotus 16 this morning. How did that go? Oh. Which which grid is the 16 in? Um, it's in the Richmond and Glove. 
Richmond Richmond Gordon. Oh, Richmond Gordon. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And uh, oh, that was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed it. It was like the old karting days, but you know what was coming. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> it was going really, really well. And then after literally the third lap, the throttle was sticking open. I can almost hear Get the ready. dusty book of excuses <laughs> yeah, creaking yeah, yeah. open. Yeah, no, this is, you'll like Nick's, this. Nick's nearly sort of thumbing through the <laughs> 500 pages Number to see 22. which of the excuses yeah. is going to uh, So the throttle was sticking open, and right. um, I managed that for a for quite a long time you and then you. yeah and then in the end the throttle fully stuck open oh. on the exit of Madrid so I I'm over just switched it off and stopped on the on the run down to no name so did it ah. was it open on the way into the corner or only on the way out no luckily on the uh, the exit of the corner Okay, but Jesus, right. that's better than yeah. The way in. I was yeah, gutted okay. though. Yeah, it was moving yeah. around. It's a lot of fun, but in the day, I'm not risking uh, m the car myself, you know. And, yeah. and let's let's stop now. What's the quickest car you've ever raced here? Here's got to be the uh, the Lola T70. Okay. Now that thing is so fast. 170 mile an hour down the Lavent Straight. 150 odd through Fordwater. Um, and that's yeah, that's that's a great car. Yeah. Have you driven one? No, never. Oh, I really need want to. to. Yeah, I really yeah, want actually to. Actually, you're a bit faster. So I don't. lap times in that? Um, well, it was like uh, I did a 117 in quali. Um, and then never invited back. So. I remember being very envious in one of the prize givings where I think you want to watch for the fastest lap of the meeting. Oh, he's wearing yeah. it. He's wearing and it. Beautiful IWC watch. And that is yeah. such a funny story because I. It's I'll, huge, that yeah, thing. I went to get my trophy, Claire and I, and. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, over the moon. Yeah, so we yeah, walked yeah. off, went to go home, and uh, a guy was pulling my jacket. I thought, should I turn around? It's a guy from IWC, and said, "Oh, you might want to hang around because you might oh, get a, nice. a present." And then, wow! Oh, that's you know, nice. I got that, and it's yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So, for a lot of listeners to this podcast that might not know your name, explain how is it that you end up in this world racing this amazing variety of cars on such a regular basis? It's just—it's like yourself, really. We we um, we worked very hard at it, haven't we? And we coach drivers, and and uh, you know we enjoy doing that. And then and the owners of these cars sometimes ask you to race them. And plus Goodwood, you know, Goodwood help out massively with uh, finding us drives. And yeah. and that's how it is. You know, we jump in cars uh, for qualifying that we've probably never really seen before. Yeah. Um, and it's just yeah, you know, it's respect. You look after the car, you have a lot of fun, um, you go home. Now, there's this huge upsurge, isn't there, in interest in Formula One cars. Now, there always has been, as long as there's been a, a, a series for pre-77 Formula One cars for historic races participating. But I feel like that period, that age period, is getting younger and younger. And you've been involved, I think, in testing some of these younger cars as well. So but what have you been in Formula One-wise recently? Um, oh, oh, I've been incredibly lucky. How long have we got? I I've, um, I've got a very nice... i blocked you from my yeah, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, I do apologise. I, uh, um, I got a very nice um, phone call from Williams Heritage and um, they said, you know, Karoon's getting quite busy with the TV stuff. Can you can you help out? Like, yep. Yep, sure. So the, the first car was an FW19, mm -hmm. Villeneuve's 1997 car. 97 car? Yeah. Um, that's serious, that's proper. Yeah, and it was it was amazing. So uh, Jonathan Williams and Dickie Stanford, you know, wow. And all I do all wow. day is, oh, what was this like? So Dickie Stanford days? is the <coughs> former legend. chief mech, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely yeah, legend. Incredible worked, guy. worked with everyone. Everyone. You know, yeah, Pross, now Nick Padmore. <laughs> PK, Senna, yeah, yeah, yeah. you and name it, Montoya. <coughs> and the stories, you know, I have to keep saying, I uh, apologise him because I keep saying, oh, I'm sorry to ask you all these questions. No, 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 ask me more. And some of the stories, anyway, back to the car, it was phenomenal. Right. 
had a had a hand clutch, which is new for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what an experience. So there's a, there's hopefully some more of that coming up. Do you fit in the cars all right? Because I know you know you are the perfect size for a racing driver. But Looks I've like been you. up to Williams Heritage, and I know I'm a fair bit taller than you. But those tubs are tiny, particularly of that era, that mid '90s era. Yeah, you're right. They, it, thank God, yes. But if I didn't, I'd still get in. Yeah, car, you'd figure you know? it out. Um, no, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Well, that's the right result. And what about at home? Have you got anything in the garage? Yeah, I have. I've obviously got my Mini Miglia that I race oh, with, yeah, with my dad. And it's done in his retro design from sort of the 70s, 80s. Um, and then I've got a classic road Mini. And right. then I, I've just bought a 318 IS road uh, BMW just for a bit of fun. And then Fantastic. a couple of carts and a monkey bike and a BMX. Can't forget the BMX. Well, this is this know. is more than the single garage. This is, yeah, this I just... Uh, the, it's Quite the, the barn. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I really look for bargains and I found, right. you know, and, and the BMX is a bit of a story because when Dad used to race the Mini Miglia, um, I was always always on the BMX and there was a photo, um, you know, back in the day of Dad in the Miglia and me on the Rally Burner. So I just had to buy one of them. Fantastic. So it's quite funny, yeah. That's great. Have you got any more driving this afternoon? Uh, no, no, You're that's done. it, all done, yeah, yeah. Time yeah. for a beer. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Relax. Thank you, Nick. What's your social media <coughs> handle, Instagram, whatever, so people can follow you? Because you've got some incredible posts where you're driving phenomenal yeah, cars with some yours. good on board and stuff. This is brilliant. Yeah. Mine's, well, uh, I think, on Instagram, it's NPAD5056, I believe. NPAD56, yeah, all right. And then Twitter, Anyone that wants to see historic Formula One cars driven as they were intended, go follow NPAD56 on Insta. Thanks very much, Nick. Thank you. Have a good afternoon. That's about all we've got time for this weekend at the Goodwood Revival. I hope you enjoy this slightly different format. For those of you that might be interested in seeing a little bit of onboard footage from some of these historic race cars and some behind-the-scenes snaps from Goodwood and some upcoming historic race weekends, by all means, follow me on Instagram at Hancock underscore Sam. And it's the same handle on Twitter. And for some slightly longer onboard footage, Look me up on YouTube as well if you fancy. See you next time.